Welcome to A Wild New Work, a podcast about how to take wise, soul-centered action in your work life and in your organization, all based on the wisdom of nature. I'm Megan Leatherman, a career coach, mother, and amateur ecologist living in the Pacific Northwest, and I'm your host today. Hi, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so honored and delighted to have you here today. Um, I want to spend some time unpacking some really common sort of uh, in beliefs that many of us have inherited from usually previous generations um, about work. And these are some common myths and beliefs that I find keep re- people really stuck. Uh, these are ones that I hear all the time from people that I work with, and I want to open up some space today for you to have a new way of seeing yourself, of thinking about work, um, having a new perspective that can actually, you know, motivate or encourage you to make positive change and to feel hopeful and empowered in your career, even in the midst of a global pandemic, and especially as we kind of approach the threshold of the new year. Um, it's a ways, a little ways off still, but I think many of us are mindful of or kind of yearning that refreshment and sense of like reset that the new year can bring. Um, and I want to do my part to help you kind of let go of any, you know, beliefs and thoughts that are still kind of gripping or constricting your expression through your work. So I'm excited to share these thoughts today and I really hope they feel just like kind of shedding um, a snake skin and, and really uh, freeing you up a little bit. Uh, I want to share just two announcements before we get started. Uh, I am hosting a new workshop on January 10th that I'm really excited about and I think you will be too if you are in a particular point in your career. Um, this is a one-day live event called Sovereign, and it is a workshop for people who know that they want to leave their job this year but aren't sure how or where to start. Um, we are going to cover your mindset, uh, your you know financial considerations, career development considerations, and you will write an exit plan during our time together. So. You know, no more putting it off, really looking at it, really being supported and uplifted and encouraged to take the leap if it feels right to you or if you're not sure uh, to get really clear about what you need to set in motion. So there will be, you know, pre-work and a follow-up group call a month later to help you stay on track and to really set that change into motion. So uh, if that's you, I hope you'll join us Sunday, January 10th. And uh, it's $100 off if you register by November 20th. So you might want to do that. <laughs> uh, you can learn more about it at awildnewwork.com sovereign. And uh, yeah, check it out. The other thing is just my usual invitation to join us in Cedar Lodge. So this is a free virtual community of just amazing, thoughtful people who want to do their best work. Uh, We are still, we're now wrapping up our Scorpio course on self-doubt. In the next two weeks, we'll be starting a new course, which is free for members on um, conjuring up your vision for 2021. So uh, I hope you'll join us. There's a lot happening in there and a lot of support if you want to be around people who don't, um, 
want to stay, you know, stuck and small and deeply unhappy in their careers. Uh, so come, come check it out. You can go to uh, awildnewwork.com and you'll just see it right on the homepage. All right. Well, with that, why don't we do our opening invocation? So wherever you are, you can kind of get settled in your seat. And let's just take a deep breath together. May each of us be blessed and emboldened to do the work we're meant to do on this planet. May our work honor our ancestors, known and unknown, and may it be in harmony with all creatures we share this earth with. I express gratitude for all of the technologies and gifts that have made this possible, and I'm grateful to the Cowlitz and Clackamas tribes who are the original stewards of the land that I'm on. Well, I want to give a little recap of where we are kind of in the cycle of the seasons here in the Northern Hemisphere. Uh, since my last podcast episode, uh, we moved through daylight savings time and it felt like a big shift. <laughs> you know, the, it gets dark around 4.30 now. We're still in that period where the days are getting shorter and shorter. The nights are extending um, and that will be the case until around December 20th when we cross the winter solstice. So I've noticed that I really want to be doing less. I just want to wear like the warmest sweaters and blankets and um, just to be really cozy. And it sort of feels like I'm wanting to uh, treat myself as sort of my own best parent. And this concept of reparenting ourselves is one, is one that I've thought about for a little while and I think I learned about it first from um, the astrologer Chani Nicholas but there is this opportunity to reparent ourselves and this can go very very deep depending on what your relationship with your parents or earliest caregivers was like um, but I think of Scorpio season especially this time when it's dark and cold as a chance to really nurture ourselves and um, be warm toward ourselves in a new way, kind of at a new level. Um, there's tremendous transformation available in the concept of reparenting ourselves and giving ourselves what we need. And in this way, we really are starting that very wintry process of making our soil ready to be rejuvenated, right? One of the other ways that I've found is um, a great way to rejuvenate and start preparing and sort of honoring the transitional transformative nature of this season is through investigating our beliefs and our thoughts, um, especially about ourselves, about how the world works, and for our purposes today, um, our beliefs about how the workplace works and how careers work. And we really need to interrogate some of these beliefs that are causing us and a lot of people suffering because um, we don't have to, you know, I was driving the other day and I saw this bumper sticker, which I've seen before, but it was a perfect reminder as I was preparing for this episode. Um, it said, don't believe everything you think. <laughs> and that's such a beautiful reminder, right? Because our thoughts stem from inherited belief systems that we may not actually even agree with once we really start to look at them. So today I want to cover five of the top myths or belief systems, beliefs that I see in the people that I work with and so in so many people who are really suffering through their careers. Um, and I want to interrogate them a little bit and, and bring them into the light and say, is this really true? You know, 
is this true? And is it something I want to buy into? Um, we need to do that. I think I, I know I need to do that more often. You know, the times when I'm feeling sad or disempowered or, um, hopeless, you know, not that those feelings are ever bad, but what are the thoughts motivating that feeling? And is it, is that thought absolutely true? Right. This is, um, that comes from a, a concept that Byron Katie talks about a lot, you know, really bringing our thoughts into the light and asking, is this absolutely true? Do I know for a fact that that's true? Um, and oftentimes it's not as sure as we believe it is. So let me tell you about the myths that I'm going to be covering today, and I'll just name them and then we'll dive into each of them individually. So the first one is the myth that you need linear career progression, that your career needs to make sense. <laughs> myth number two, if you just work hard enough, everything will work out and everyone is in the role that they deserve. Myth number three, you are at the whim of the economy. Myth number four, you can either have money or meaning, but not both. And myth number five, it's only success if it's hard and if you suffer. <laughs> so let's go through these one by one. So myth number one, you need linear career progression, right? We all heard it in like our college career development seminar or, you know, in our early jobs from other career coaches. I may have perpetuated this belief early in my career as well. Um, this belief that gaps are bad and your career needs to make sense to a recruiter or a hiring manager or anyone that you're ne networking with. Um, and the truth is that the only person your career needs to make sense to is you. Okay. You need to know the strengths that weave it all together and you need to know why you made certain choices. And if part of your career is um, being hired by other people and you're kind of in a situation where there's a traditional sort of resume and job application process, then you do need to be able to tell the story of your career. But it doesn't have to be a linear progression where you had this job and then you grew and had that job. It doesn't need to be this, you know, one type of work, one type of role for the last 10 years. Um, that's just not most people's reality. And it's a standard that does not really help anyone, actually. Um, if you have gaps on your resume, my recommendation is, is typically, and there's like every career coach has different um, opinions about the resume, but I'll share mine. If you have gaps on your resume, I would say if it's less than a year, you don't really need to mention it. You just list your work history like normal. If it's more than a year, you can put in one simple line that says, you know, I took a year off to uh, care for my children. I took a year off to um, explore uh, what I wanted to do with my career. You get to decide how much to divulge. If in that year, or if it's more than a year, you have been, um, you know, arrested, you were in rehab, or you were otherwise occupied in something that dominant society might be judgmental of, again, you get to decide how much you want to divulge. If they're doing background checks and you, you know, have been arrested and that might show up on the background check, um, probably better to be, well, I actually... I was going to say better to be honest, but there's so much bias nowadays um, 
there's a lot of information about second um, second chance hiring. And if you have a, a criminal record that may show up on your background check, I would look into um, savvy ways to talk about that uh, and not let it be a hindrance to you applying for things uh, because there's more and more support and legislation around um, not uh, uh, discriminating against people who have um, criminal backgrounds, right? We all know how fucked up the justice system is. So all that to say, um, your resume, you know, does need to tell a story. There are really coherent, wonderful ways to do that, but it doesn't need to be a linear progression from point A to point B. You don't need to be doing the same thing in your career for the entire time. Your career does not need to be tied up in a bow or make total sense or, you know, be make sense in the three seconds that a recruiter might be looking at it, right? There are plenty of people with lots of different interests that manifest throughout their career, right? Rihanna is a singer. <laughs> she owns a makeup company. She's a clothing designer. Like, why can't you move around? Why can't you have different interests and be in different types of jobs, okay? And if you have stories about why that's bad or, you know, um, it's bad that it took you two years to get into a new job, um, you get to investigate the thoughts behind that and write a story that feels helpful to you, okay? Because there's not one objective truth about that. Um, you get to decide what the story is and then share that and communicate that with the people that you are um, interested in doing work with. Okay, myth number two. Everyone is in the role that they deserve. <laughs> um, you may have heard of an article called The Invisible Knapsack by Peggy McIntosh. Um, and she wrote about a concept called the myth of the meritocracy, which is a myth that we have, especially in Western culture, that if you just work hard enough, you will earn you know, money, status, etc. If you just work hard enough, study hard enough, you will get what you deserve. You will be successful, right? It's the whole myth of the American dream. Sometimes that works for people, but I hope that if 2020 has taught us nothing else or that if we've learned nothing else from the Black Lives Matter movement that has swept this country, especially this year, it is that everyone is coming into this world with different levels of access and privilege based on their class, um, their physical ability, intellectual ability, the skin, the color of their skin. Um, so we've learned a lot about how rigged the system is. And I want you to remember that as you move through your career or as you are thinking about making changes this year or next or, or whenever. We have this belief that if someone is in a powerful role, they earned that. They, they must have earned it and they just deserve it without any question. But, and the other thing that's undergirding this is this very hierarchical kind of binary way of thinking that people, you know, quote unquote, above you on the ladder are better than you. People, you know, quote unquote, below you on the ladder are worse than you. You know, if they are having a hard time, it's because they haven't worked hard enough. And that is just not true. We really all need to stop pushing ourselves um, and buying into this belief system that really only serves the people at the very top of the upper echelons. What works better, and if you can kind of release your grip on the idea that you just need to work harder, that that's the path to success, 
what often works better for people, and again, this still doesn't solve the problem of different access or, you know, equity issues because um, we still live in a larger system that is inequitable. But um, no matter what, it works much better and will be less difficult if you, again, own your story unapologetically. You really nurture your network, your community, the people who are cheering you on and want to support you. And if you're working in alignment with your strengths and really letting it be easy as much as you can. And of course, hard work is included. That's part of it. But we have to remember that not everyone in power has earned it, right? It's often just like someone's uncle's brother or whatever who, you know, was in the same class in Yale at Yale. Um, so yeah, I want, I just want to encourage you to see that this is there, this myth of the meritocracy to remember that not everyone has earned or is the right person for the role that they're in, whether it's a powerful one, um, or one that is, um, less empowered maybe, or earns less money. Um, and that the value of someone and the the value of their impact is not determined by their salary or their job title. And, and that includes you too. Uh, myth number three, you are at the whim of the economy. Um, I'm treading lightly here because it is true that economic downturns have serious impacts and we are in one now here in the United States. And I don't want to minimize the fact that millions of people are without work they're facing serious issues, you know, access to housing, access to food, etc. Um, because of the fact that our government prioritizes corporate profit over the well-being of its citizens. Um, so that is true, absolutely, that many people are suffering and it's not okay. And it's also true that your life does not need to be determined or run by the economy okay, or larger forces at play. Nature always finds a way to survive. Consider what nature has been through in the billions and billions of years that it has, that life has existed on this planet. Life is resilient and you are included in that. The truth is that there are plenty of jobs available. There is plenty of work to be done and there is plenty of money to pay people, okay? Jeff Bezos, for example, has made over $90 billion since COVID started. Why can't you make some of that? Like, why shouldn't you, you know, have access to, I don't know, 50, 60, 100 grand a year, whatever you need to support yourself? If you have people in your life who are in constant worry about your job prospects, who want you to stay, who are telling you stories about how, you know, their great aunt quit work and then she never worked again, you know, limit those stories that you're hearing. If you're on the precipice of making a job change, if you're one of those people who knows that they need to exit their job in the next year and move on to greener pastures, I encourage you to really put boundaries around the people and stories in your life who are going to try to tell you that it is too dangerous to move. It's foolish to make a move. It's foolish to um, step toward what you want. The truth is that you can find a way, no matter what the economy is doing, right? People do it all the time. Some people are having their best year in business or in their careers, and you can be included in that. You will find a way. You are more resilient than you know or give yourself credit for. 
I'm not trying to be preachy here. I just feel really strongly about this stuff. So I'm not, I hope you're not feeling like I'm just yelling at you. Um, okay. Myth number four, you can have meaning or money, but not both. I hear this all the time and I, um, used to believe it and I'm sure it still lives in my subconscious somewhere as well. Um, the truth is that it's not an either, or it's not a binary, um, capitalism and white supremacy and patriarchy and they, these systems of oppression love binaries. Um, they love to say like, you're either this or that you're in or out, you fit in here or you don't fit in here. Um, but what's true is that you can have a deeply meaningful career and support yourself financially. You can make great money and do meaningful work. Those are not oxymorons. One of my biggest pet peeves is nonprofit organizations who don't pay their people well. <laughs> um, and I hope this is changing. I see this more and more, but um, the truth is that true liberation, what we need collectively, real liberation is rooted in abundance, okay? People are going to get on board with social change and revolution if we keep in, in mind, if we make it pleasurable, right? And if we make it a joyful process where people are able to meet their needs, where we can say, look, if we get to here, everyone will be cared for. If we can really hold on to that vision of people who are housed, warm, clothed, doing work that they find meaningful and that is dignified, that's how we're going to get more and more people on board with the changes that we need. Um, and I don't want to just shit on nonprofits. Grant-making organizations need to recognize that too. Um, and it's not just nonprofits. This, is, uh, this belief is rampant in the entire professional world. Um, the truth is that your financial well-being, your ability to nurture yourself is not separate from doing good work. Okay. The problem isn't that you want to make, you know, 50, 60, 200, 300 grand next year, whatever you want to make in your career. Okay. The problem is that so many people in the capitalist economy are ground down and paid a pittance while a few are making more money than one person could ever ever need. Okay. The issue is the inequality. That's the problem. So make what you want to make in your career, do the work that you want to do and get paid well for it. And let's continue to work on ensuring that everyone is paid well, that everyone has access to medical care, that everyone has access to dignified, well-paid work. That is the problem, right? And you don't have to agree, but that's, that's what I think the problem is. Uh, okay, last one, myth number five. Um, I'm only successful if it's hard and I suffer. <laughs> um, this is another one. All of these are so common and I'm laughing because I can think of um, clients who have said, th said these things at the start of our work together. Uh, this is similar to number four. And um, again, another case for keeping pleasure and joy at the forefront of our minds as we create new economies and systems of functioning in this society. Um, your work can actually be pleasurable. I'm learning more and more deeply, more than I ever have before this year, that the energy behind what I do is more important than the output. Okay. The energy behind what I do is more important than the output, how much I put out or my productivity. You can be successful and well-rested. 
you can have an incredible impact in your career and work part-time. There's no need for us to make it hard. I know that we're in an economy and a, a social structure that grinds people up that, you know, says, hey, working parents, like you will have zero support um, as you try to raise young children in this shithole country. And, you know, if you aren't a citizen here, if you're undocumented, you don't have access to um, a safe workplace. And, you know, all of these things that, that we have decided as a collective are okay, which of course aren't okay. So I know the realities do make it difficult for so many people. But we internalize that and we often make it more difficult for ourselves than it truly needs to be. Some of my best work happens after I take time off or after I, you know, set a really strong boundary or after I just let go of my desire to have a clean house, right? If, if we can let go a little bit and let it be easy, we have more spaciousness um, to tend to the energy behind our output and so that the things that we're touching um, are truly an expression of our ourselves and the care behind them. Capitalism tells us that this has to be hard or that it, har it has to be hard for most of us. And then, you know, there's a whole belief system, the Protestant work ethic, many other, you know, religious systems hold this belief as well. This um, belief that we need to glorify suffering, right? That there's, um, there's glory in suffering and sanctity there. And that may be true, but when it starts to just be a way to keep the working class, you know, oppressed, which is how I see it used for the most part, then it, it really becomes a problem, okay? Um, I'm not talking here about the hard work of investigating your your biases or your beliefs or pushing your own limits or getting uncomfortable in your career. I work really hard in those areas and so do my clients and I bet you do too. What I'm talking about here is the constant overwhelm, the denial of your bodily needs, the sacrificing of your happiness, your sense of ease. Those tactics are not going to lead you to a career that feels like a place you want to be. Okay, it might lead to accolades, it might lead to more money, it might be what you are forced to do in a period of economic struggle that you may be in temporarily, I hope. But that those tactics and that way of being aren't ultimately going to create a working life that feels like home or that feels comfortable or that honors the needs that you have as a, a human and an animal. Um, so you can be incredibly successful without the suffering. You don't need it. Um, and more and more people need to be liberated from it as well, which is you know the work that I hope we're all doing collectively. So those are the five myths that I wanted to investigate a little bit and unpack with you. Um, I hope that you've sensed my optimism and my hope and my excitement. Um, I have seen so many incredible transformations in my work as a career coach, and I just, you know, I'm, I, I am actually publishing some of our um, member profiles in Cedar Lodge, um, telling stories of people's transformations. Um, so this week we'll be publishing our second one, um, shared by my friend and former client, Emily Lilly. So I encourage you to check that out 
um, on my blog at awildnewwork.com or in Cedar Lodge. Um, I just want to, you know, share with you that, you know, without divulging too much about former clients, but I want you to know that people are making these incredible changes and you can too. Okay. These myths don't really help anyone except a very few, you know, powerful people who benefit from this kind of system. But most these, these myths really harm a lot of people and I don't want you to be stuck or limited by them. Um, and so there they are. Let's put them into the light and ask if they're really, really true because usually um, they're not. So that's what I wanted to share with you today. Again, join us in Cedar Lodge if this feels resonant to you. If you know that you want to get out of your job in the next year and you want to set up a plan that honors your financial, emotional, spiritual needs, you know, join us for Sovereign on January 10th. Um, there are, you know, there's early bird pricing. There's also a few spots for um, BIPOC and single parents and entry level workers. And you can reach out to me if that's you and you'd like to join us. Um, otherwise, I will be with you in about two weeks uh, at the start of Sagittarius season, um, which is the beginning of the final phase of autumn. So we'll be um, kind of setting our sights on. Uh, a big vision for the year to come and kind of celebrating the beginning of the winter season. So thank you for being here and uh, we'll talk soon. All right. Bye.